Chapter 15 After Jenner left Christian and Erica at the gate, his first stop was the dance hall, a theater in the commons. It had once been home of a rich merchant, who thought he could cut a swath of space for himself in a higher tier. He built a large mansion and threw a number of parties. What he had not realized was that, was that most of the upper-crust friends and associates did not want to travel all the way down to Tier 5. Faced with a dilemma, he jumped at the chance to sell the building when one of the playwright guilds made him an offer on the place. They could not pay what he spent to build it, but they offered him free admission to every show and a small cut of the profits. The dance hall was where a younger Jenner had fallen in love with theater and the lifestyle. He had been an outsider at first, but his impressive charisma combined with his deep pockets won over stars and business holders alike. <clears throat> he tried to keep current with what shows they put on now, and he kept in good relations, sending talent to them, and likewise accepting talent when it came to visit. He approached the side entrance and knocked before trying the door. It was locked. He waited a few minutes before a girl, who looked to be Erica's age, answered the door. Sorry, sir. Shows aren't till later. You can buy tickets at the front gate when we open, she said, starting to shut the door. Actually, Jenner started holding the door. I'm here to speak with Philigan or Bartolus if they're in. Uh, I'm not sure. Who can I say wants to see them? The girl asked, switching her balance from one foot to the other. Just tell them it's their oldest, wisest student, Jenner said with a smile. Sure, just a minute, the girl said, nodding and closing the door. Jenner felt out of place. Usually he was let right in. True, the girl did not know him. But when he met someone new before, they had just let him in once he said who he had business with. A few minutes passed, and he contemplated coming back when the doors opened for showtime. Just as he was set to turn and leave, the doors reopened, this time his old mentor Bartolus greeting him. Jenner, my boy, great to see you. Come in, come in, the old man said, wrapping Jenner in a hug and ushering him inside. Jenner caught the man glancing up and down the alleyway as he let his friend in. Is the circus in season? Jenner asked. Bartolus was wearing what looked like a ringmaster's outfit, complete with striped pants, bright red jacket, black boots, and a matching top hat. His hair was heavy with wax, his dark red facial hair formed into a pointed goatee and mustache, his rather wild curls sticking out from under the hat, looking like they were trying to escape captivity. All part of the show. We're trying a new act, new talent, completely off the hip, new script. Bartolus, this is me you're talking to, Jenner said, his tone serious. Who do you owe money to, and how much? The reception at the door was a hint, along with your scan of the alleyway. But you, the historian, using a freelance script, speaks volumes. Bartolus's mustache seemed to droop with his mouth. It's been dead slow these last few months. No one seems to want to come out to the theater. 
We owe a bit of coin to the Writers Guild, Bartolus explained. How much is a bit? Jenner asked. Bartolus blushed, then whispered in his ear. Three hundred gold? What have you been commissioning? Taking more than just writing skills from those scribes, eh? Jenner said. Now, Jenner, you know I don't fool around with anyone younger than half my age. I've seen forty winners now, I say. Mothers breathe a sigh of relief for their children, I assure you. They walked until they reached the auditorium, where several people on stage were rehearsing. So, how bad is it? Jenner asked, watching the people on stage. Well, sadly not. I fear it's a bit ahead of its times. It's very, um, what's the word? Convoluted? No. Egocentric? Cerebral. Cerebral is what I'm looking for, Bartolu said, his voice rising in annoyance. Cerebral. Kiss of death. This is common theater, Bartolus. No one wants cerebral here. They want pies in the face of the king, tax collectors being tricked out of their money, and body ladies being tricked out of their bodices. Jenner said, pantomiming the various things he explained. Oh, it's got all that, but the people just won't realize it till it's happened. Uh, expectations? We should, uh, break even, Bartolus said with a weak voice. I knew I should have never left this place in your hands, Jenner sighed. Well, we won't be bringing the house down like your last show did, that's for sure, Bartolus said with an indignant chortle. Ah, Jenner sighed. It's a shame. I heard what happened from Filigan. Did you ever find out what caused it? That's why I'm here, actually. Now, Jenner, we may not have been happy when you left, but we'd never do... Bartolus began. <laughs> That's not what I mean, Bartolus. I mean, I've done some work, and it's led me to Bothwell. I just wanted to stop in and see what word on the streets was. Do you still keep your fingers on the pulse of the city? I have to, or else I couldn't tell if it was alive. Are things that grim? Oh, from the day-to-day -day stuff, people seem fine enough. They smile and wave at each other on the street and go about their business. Well, then what's different? Babes are being taken. Babies? I don't understand it myself. Child slavery was always a problem in the hive and jail, but it's happening more frequently in the lower tiers, too. Rich and nobles alike. Don't know how long it's been going on for. How can they not know? Well, that's the weirdest part. Some people don't even notice when they're gone. Some friends asking about them for some people who still don't remember. Bartolus called attention to a young girl on stage who was dressed in a striped leotard, going through a series of flips. Take Bethany there. She just came back from taking time off after having a child. Has the kid, and a few weeks later shows up back to practice. Weeks go by and she practices as normal, never bringing the kid around. So we ask if things are all right, and how she's getting on. You know, family type stuff. And she don't have a bloody clue what we're talking about. Said she wasn't pregnant, never been pregnant, don't know what we're putting on for. Did you have the Majir check her? Jenner asked. 
Jenner, we saw her belly swollen up like a watermelon. No, I mean, maybe someone did something to her mind, Jenner explained. We ain't got money for something like that, and I doubt she'd pay for it herself, considering she didn't think she had it to begin with. Well, wasn't there anything at the house? A bassinet or toys or anything? All gone, Bartolo said. The guy who built the bassinet even went to check. Not a trace of any of it. And you say this is happening all over Bothwell, Jenner said. Well, I checked with the watch, and there have been about eight reports in as many months. But there could be more, seeing as people aren't remembering, some of them might not be reporting anything. It's gotten so bad, even King Geddon addressed the issue. Remember years ago when the queen was with child and then no one ever saw hair nor hide of the kid? Yeah, sure, Jenner said. King says the child was taken, same as all the others. But that happened five years ago. I know, quite telling, regardless of whether you believe it or not. Has the king done anything to start looking into the kidnappings and memory losses? Jenner asked. Oh, he has his hand skeletus on it, but that man gives me the creeps. What he needs to do is put Roland on it, if he really means to get results. Say what you like about the man, but he gets things done. No argument for me, Jenner said with a sigh. Did you hear what he did at Hallen's Hold? Hear about it? I was there, my good friend. Bartolos turned an interested eye Jenner's way. Really? Yes, it was the uh, social event of the year, to be sure. No doubt you'll be hearing of the exploits soon enough. But why wait? I'd like to hear the tale from your silver tongue, Bartolos said, laying on the charm. Jenner looked at Bartolos with a practiced eye holding his hand to his chin. Bartolos put his hands up in a feigned defense. You wouldn't, Jenner started. No, wait, wait, you would. You'll get no help from me. People need a hero, Jenner. That's just the kind of story the public can get behind right now. I will have no hand in helping immortalize the name of Roland Cross, Jenner said, shaking his head. But it could be the play that saves us, Bartolo spoke, with an exaggerated flourish of his arms. Or I could give you the 300 gold to bail you out of debt. Or you could give me 300 gold, Bartolo agreed. They watched the rehearsal on stage for a few more minutes before Jenner turned to Bartolo. Where is Filligan? I'd at least like to talk to him before I head out. He's probably still at home. He was always the silent partner, but as of late, he's been the absent partner as well. Not taking well to the stress of being hounded for money he doesn't have and wondering if the next production will be the last. Filgan got in when things were good. He wasn't around for the hard times in the past. He's just adjusting. Well, give him my regards when you see him. I have too many balls in the air already to try and juggle that one as well. It was good to see you, Jenner. Come back again when you're in town. You know where to find us, Bartolos said as the pair turned, heading toward the main entrance doors. How are you in town for, anyway? Don't know yet, to be honest. That sounds secretive, 
Never known you to be the secretive type. Yes, well, having your theater burned down can change a man, Jenner said. Just take care of yourself. I will, and thanks for the help. I'll have the bank send over a man with the money. You're too kind. Surely what I gave you today wasn't 300 golds worth of help. I gave you the money for the theater, not to bribe you. Of course, what I, what I meant to say was, if you need anything else from us while you're in town, let me know. You've always been a good friend to us, and to the theater. One of my many faults, Jenner said. Bartolus unlocked the door and opened it. Don't be a stranger, Bartolus said. Jenner gave the man a hug, then said his goodbyes, and was off. Jenner thought about his next course of action. He needed to inquire about these missing infants. He thought of reporting a missing child of his own, but did not want to involve the watch yet. He might give the wrong impression of himself if he started to ask around in the nicer neighborhoods, so that left going to six or seven, and making some uncouth inquiries into what was on the market. The sun was still high in the sky, so Jenner decided to make his way to the jail in search of answers. He stopped off at a shop on the way in the commons, changing out of his fineries for something far poorer in quality. He considered what to do about his rapier, but settled on just wrapping the handle and sheath to cover the workmanship. He went in through the side gate that would send him in the opposite direction of where Oz lived. The less people that might recognize him, the better. It took a few hours of careful inquiry, a few silver here and there, but he was eventually pointed in the direction of a run-down warehouse on the west side of the tier. He looked around, spotting the two not-so-drunk drunks laying about by the entrance. He approached and cleared his voice. One of the drunks rolled on the ground and looked up at him. Care for a drink, Jenner offered the man, offering a slim bottle of whiskey procured from a bar earlier. The man nodded, and Jenner passed him the bottle, sliding over a few gold in the exchange. The drunk pocketed the coins without even a second glance and rolled back over, nodding his head. The other drunk got up and yawned, walking into the building. Jenner moved to follow. So, what can we do for you, sir? The man asked as they entered, his voice well-mannered, each syllable enunciated, belying his poor attire. Jenner sighed, wishing the watch was half so smart to ever attempt doing something out of uniform. How easy this would be for them. Just a little something to help pass those long evenings, Jenner mumbled. Then you've come to the right place. We've got plenty of that, the man said, leading Jenner down some steps. Jenner counted two guards in the rooms they passed upstairs, another at the bottom of the steps. They turned a corner at the bottom of the landing and walked down a short hallway. They entered a room with a small bar, one man behind the counter, and another two sitting on the other side, drinking. They both raised their glasses to the man escorting Jenner, who gave them a nod of his head as they passed. Here we are. Anything in particular to your fancy, sir? The man asked as he led Jenner into a large basement. Jenner's heart sank. The room was lined with metal cages, reminiscent of the ones he had seen outside Hallen's hold. 
except instead of criminals, they were full of children. He counted maybe a dozen or so, wearing loose shirts or sheets from what he could tell. Some were passed out, and others were crying. One girl was rocking back and forth, her arms around her legs that she had pulled up to her chest. Ugh, anything younger, Jenner said. No, they aren't good for much of anything younger than this. I know a lady up in the hives might have something more to your liking. Well, never let it be said I'm an ungrateful customer. I'll take that boy over there, and uh, that girl, and uh, that lady's name, if you'd be so kind, Jenner told the man. That'll be twenty gold, the man said. Jenner counted twenty coins out of his purse, which the man counted again. Be right back, the man said, walking back out to the bar. He returned a few minutes later. Where should we be taking these two? the man asked. What do you mean? Jenner said, caught off guard. Well, you walked up to the building. You didn't think we were going to let you just walk back out the front door with these two kids in hand, did you? Clever, Jenner thought. He had not thought to prepare a second location ahead of time. You know, on second thought, I think I'll be taking them all, Jenner said. Now it was the man's turn to balk, which was all the opening Jenner needed. He slammed his fist into the man's face, shattering his nose. He let out a cry of anguish before Jenner kicked him in the stomach, sending him to the floor. What's going on in there? Jenner heard one of the men from out front cry. Jenner ran towards the door, drawing his rapier out as he moved. The first man to come around the corner had a knife out. Jenner flicked the tip of his rapier across the man's knuckles, causing him to curse and drop the knife. He then slammed into the man, sending him flying back into the bar. The other man at the bar dropped his drink, pulled a knife, and came at Jenner, while the bartender ducked down behind the bar. The knife man came on, swinging left and right. Jenner danced side to side, keeping out of the way of the oncoming blade. Jenner waited for an opening, but the man was a little more skilled than his drinking buddy. Jenner was able to maneuver in order to give the man who had hit the bar a kick in the face. The bartender stood up and came around from behind the bar, carrying two flaming bottles of liquor. He ran toward the room with the cages. Jenner ducked down out of the way from a knife stab, kicking his leg out and back. He rolled sideways, and his feet caught the running bartender. The man let out a scream as he fell forward, the bottles clutched to his chest as he hit the ground. Glass shattered as the man hit the floor, the liquid bursting into flames on impact, wreathing his torso in fire. Jenner stood back up, but the man he was fighting seemed more concerned with his burning companion. The man on fire stumbled to his feet, then ran screaming towards Jenner. Jenner dodged aside and put the knife man between him and the living torch. The man stumbled past, aiming for the stairs, when the children started to cry and scream. Jenner spared a quick look to the side, seeing that the floor was on fire, but it was stone and would burn out as soon as the alcohol was gone. The man attempted to climb the steps, but collapsed after two, the smell of burning flesh filling the room. 
The lone knife man looked from Jenner to the stairs, then made a run for it, jumping over his burning comrade and fleeing. The stairs were starting to catch fire. Jenner looked around, but there was nothing he could see to use to put the man out. Then he had an idea, running behind the bar. He found what he was looking for on the floor under the bar. He pulled the lid from the barrel and tasted the contents. Tastes cheap enough to me, he said, half dragging, half carrying the keg over to the fire. He let it sit by the steps, then dragged the burning man off, dragging him to the ground. Then he picked the keg up and tipped it, the beer pouring onto the steps. The watered-down brew doused the flames, and then he used the rest to put out the corpse. The immediate problem averted, Jenner took a quick jaunt up the steps, but everyone had fled. He peered out the door, but no one was in sight. The crying was a whisper from where he stood, so he doubted anyone passing heard anything. If anyone was coming, it would either be reinforcements or the watch. He pulled the door shut, then went back downstairs, heading to the room with the children. Jenner searched the corpse and the two unconscious men, finding keys on the man who had let him down. All right, kids, who wants to go home? Raise your hands, Jenner said as he turned to the nearest cage and started undoing the lock. The children shook the bars of their cages, pleading with Jenner to let them go. He assured them that that was his intention as he made his way from cage to cage. Don't go, I don't know if it's safe out there yet, Jenner said as one of the boys started for the exit. We all go together, understand? The boy nodded. Jenner kept talkative, keeping their minds occupied on questions. He learned some of them had been here for longer than they could remember, while others had been here as recently as a few days. One of the girls was the daughter of a noble from the king's, which helped Jenner make his next decision. Even if some of the watch were in on the operation, the reward for finding a child of a noble would be far greater. Once they were all free, Jenner gathered them together and led them up the stairs. There was still no sign of anyone. He led his ragtag band of children out into the streets, asking the first person he came across where the watch was. There was a post close by, and within minutes, Jenner was sitting down detailing his reports with the captain on duty. Jenner explained it as a mix-up in directions he had received from someone, and when he learned about what he had come across, he just did what any law-abiding citizen would have done. When the time came that they asked his name, he said he was just a citizen doing a good deed, no need to make a big deal of it. In fact, he was willing to let the watch handle returning the children if he could just stay out of the whole mess, which the captain was all too happy to agree to. He told the captain where the storage house was, and that there were two criminals locked up in cages that should still be there, and one man who had the unfortunate mishap to set himself on fire. He had meant for that to be the end of it, but some of the children began to cry when he said he was leaving, so he stayed. Most of the kids lived in seven or six, so their parents or guardians were able to come to get them in a few hours, once the watch sent out soldiers to alert the parents that their sons or daughters had been found. More people showed up as word of mouth traveled, families hoping their child might be one of the ones that was rescued. Sunset was fast approaching, 
and much to his chagrin, Jenner found himself still at the watch, sitting on a bench holding the hand of a little girl from the king's. She was one of the children who started to cry at the mention of being left alone with the watch, and Jenner felt that the two of them had been given a wide berth ever since most of the kids had cleared out with their families. He had his suspicions, but would have to let it go for now. Oh, Tabitha! A well-dressed woman in her mid-thirties screamed out when she entered the office, making a line straight for the little girl. Mommy, the girl said, hopping off the bench and running into the arms of the woman. A man Jenner assumed was her father walked in behind the woman, and they all shared a hug. Well, my work here is done, Jenner said, standing up and dusting off his pants. One of the on-duty watchmen came over to tell the parents how glad they were to help. Jenner used the opportunity to slip out. The little girl waved at him from her father's arms. Jenner smiled and waved back, heading out the door. It was dark by the time he set back out on the road. He wished he could have questioned the three men from the warehouse, but now they were locked up and out of reach. The mention of the woman in the hive was enough to go on and with a little research on his own, it would be fine. He decided to call it a day and head back to the house. So how was your day? Christian asked when they heard the front door open. He and Erica were sitting at the kitchen table. He was writing up the events of the day, while Erica was staring at an orange, her arms resting on the table, her chin resting on her hands. I think you'd better go first. Are you masters of your domain now? Jenner asked. Well, we took a tour of the kings, Christian started. Already using the local jargon, I see, Jenner said. Yeah, we practiced saying them until we memorized them, Christian said. He talked about their tour and learning some basics about the place, about the odd laws. Through it all, Erica continued her battle of wills with the orange. Not eating it with your mind yet, eh? Jenner asked her. She shook her head, then went back to her staring contest. How long has she been at it? Jenner asked. A while. I started writing about our day, and I'm already six pages in. It didn't sound like that much happened, Jenner said. Well, yeah, but I like to write down everything. Ever studious. Jenner shook, took a seat at the table kicking his feet up and relaxing. He lifted the orange from in front of Erica and began peeling it. Why, this is the easiest orange I've ever peeled, Jenner said, tossing the rind onto the table before pulling loose a segment and eating it. He offered one to Erica, who sighed, rolling her eyes, but took the piece regardless. Christian took one as well. Jenner recounted his day from his walk to jail to the journey into the abandoned warehouse, to the tangle with the slavers, wrapping up with the rather boring wait at the police station. Christian asked if he learned anything from the slavers, and Jenner mentioned the woman in the hive. Did the kids know anything? Christian asked. None of them saw who took them or how they got there. Most of them said they were asleep at home and woke up bound and gagged in the sack. Was that place the only place they were kept? Erica asked. They were moved around a lot when they were still tied up, but the only place they got to see were the cells where I found them. 
Do you want us to come with you when you go to the hive? Christian asked. Jenner said he thought it was not a good idea. He planned to lay low for a day, in case anyone was going to come looking for him. He felt the chances were slim that the few men who had escaped would even know where to look. But with his destination being the hive, he figured a few days would help. Just continue your education. See a few more tiers. After I scout out the hive, I'll need both of you for whatever we do next. I would be ecstatic if I were to find out this lady was both responsible for your sister, the fire, and everything else. But I have a strong suspicion that won't be the case. That, and I don't want to be seen together too much if we can avoid it. We have our story, but it won't hold up under much scrutiny. The next few days were quiet. Jenner stayed around the house, entertaining Erica with some swordplay while they were around, and relaxing when they weren't out. Christian and Erica checked out Uptown and the Market. They used the same touring company as before. Uptown, other than the slight difference in income, was not that much different from the King's. There were less of the communal buildings, and it had a more neighborhood feeling than either the King's or the country. Christian noted that goods and services seemed to be more expensive in Uptown. The market was an interesting and intimidating place. People were more open, more talkative, and more pushy. It reminded Erica of her mother. She helped Christian keep focus, as the boy could be distracted by a smooth sales pitch. Erica even let him know if it was okay to discredit people, as it was part of the act. They heard a lot more talk in the marketplace about missing children. They even heard a few people talking about the rescue that Jenner had described to them. On their next day out, Jenner informed them he would be going into the hive to look for this tradeswoman that he had heard about. Christian and Erica wished him luck as they continued and went to the commons. The hive, to Jenner, represented the worst Bothwell had to offer. The jail was poor, and the place in disrepair, but it was due to lack of money. The hive had income, had knowledge, but it had apathy in large amounts. No one wanted to pay for something that they might be able to get for free. Parts of the tier still stood in ruin, testament to the infestation from the escaped insects. The hive was the bed that no one in Bothwell wanted to clean under. As with the jail, a little inquiry went a long way. Before long, he had it narrowed down to three possible bars. Two after the first one he came to was condemned and abandoned. The second bar bore unexpected fruit. Uh, I always knew the hive drew in the dregs of society, he joked as he saw Haviland, Umbrunsway, and Mal sitting around a table, eating and drinking. Huh, says the visitor, Haviland said. Umbrunsway motioned for Jenner to join them at the table. "'I've heard you two perform. Why are you in this neck of the yard?' Jenner asked, ordering a beer from a passing barmaid. She gave him an inviting smile and made her way to the bar. "'Because his corpulence wished to travel as sparingly as possible. Money squandered on travel could save someone's life,' Havlin explained. "'Isn't that right?' Umbrunsway nodded, continuing a conversation with Mal. Well, at least he continued to listen to what she had to say, speaking in their native tongue. 
The food arrived, and Havlin invited Jenner to join them for dinner. He spoke a little about what brought him here. Havlin was able to set Jenner on the right track, explaining how they had left the last inn they were at for just that reason. And Brunswick turned an irate eye to Havlin as they talked. What? If I had told you the real reason at the time, we'd have never gotten out of there. And I felt like leaving in one piece this evening, Havlin said. Umbrunsway looked to Mal, then to Jenner. You can come back with me after dinner. I was going to head there anyway, Jenner said. Umbrunsway and Mal smiled at Jenner and nodded their heads, while Havlin looked to the ceiling and seemed to mouth the words, Why me? After lunch, Havlin led the way back to where they had stopped earlier in the day. It was an inn called Yuna's, named for the Orin lady who ran the place. Now remember, I'm trying to find some information out first, so please do not just walk in and tear the place apart, okay? Jenner said, looking at him Brunsway. The Lanese man frowned, but shrugged and gave a nod that Havlin assured him meant cooperation. They entered, and Jenner tried not to laugh. The setup was something out of a bad play. A few very disinterested-looking patrons sat at the bar while a lone man sat in the corner of the room by himself, counting money out of a wooden box. The barmaid sat on a stool, picking at her nails. Not one person looked to be enjoying themselves. They were all on the job. "'May I speak to the lady whom this fine establishment is named after?' Jenner asked after they walked up to the lone man sitting by himself. "'And, uh, what do you want to see her about?' the man said. He looked to be in his late forties, a thick cut of beard on his face, with dry, leathery skin that made him look like he had spent a lot of his formative years at sea. My friend is uh, looking for a little something to occupy his mother's time, but alas, he never married, Jenner began. What, he brought his mother here? The man balked. Oh, of course not. That's his aunt. She understands what the boy is going through, and agreed to help him pay for it. She knows her sister's heart, so she agreed to come along to help her nephew pick a child that would be the spitting image of how he had looked as a child. Jenner decided he would show them how bad theater was done. Whether the man bought the yarn, or just wanted to be rid of them, the man told him he and his friends could wait in the back. He leaned forward in his chair and pointed down a hallway. Last door on the right, can't miss it. Just go in and wait, and an associate will help you shortly, he said, not looking up from his money drawer. Jenner thanked the man and motioned for his companions to follow. They walked down the short hallway and entered the specified door. Inside was a small room with a half dozen chairs, a table, and a few bad paintings. They entered, Umbrunzoid pulling a chair out for Mal and seating her by the door. Jenner shut the door behind them and then took a seat opposite. The four of them sat, except for Havlin, who pulled his lute out and began a little melody to pass the time. Havlin was just finishing his song when the door slammed open and three men burst into the room. The man in the lead was the same that they had spoken to outside, while the two in the back looked to be younger. The bearded man had a little axe in his hand while the two men flanking him had crossbows. 
one of the men in the back pulled the door shut behind them. You must be completely daft to come here, the bearded man said, walking up by Mao and pointing his axe at Jenner. You think you weren't seen the other day? You were made, my friend. We knows what you look like after you had your friends in the jail tossed to the watch. Go ahead and try it, old hag, the man spat at Mal when she raised her hands together. Your witchery won't work on me. I got protections for that kind of stuff, he said with a cocky grin. Mal nodded and gently reached forward with her hands as if feeling the air. What are you about, lady? the man said, grabbing one of her arms with his. Aunt you, she smiled, taking her other hand and wrapping her fingers around the man's wrist. The bearded man locked up, then shook like a puppet who was having all of his strings pulled. His two companions, concerned, placed their hands on him to hold him steady. As soon as they touched him, they too were jolting this way and that. After a few seconds passed, Mao released her grip, and the three of them fell to the floor. Bleh, Mao said, looking at her companions and getting up. Never seen that one before. I thought fire was your thing, Jenner asked. She cackled, getting up, and Brunsway looked to Jenner. Fine, fine, we'll do it your way. But let me preface this by saying that I was the voice of reason. Didn't take much to sway your reasoning, Havlin said. Eh, you're absolutely right, Jenner said, standing and drawing his rapier. You explain to management why three of their men are unconscious on the floor. I'm sure they'll understand. Ira-aka, Mal said, trying the door. Umbrunzwe stepped forward and wrapped his hand around the handle, then gave a swift tug. The door wrenched open, the sound of wood breaking as the lock was dragged across the doorframe. Eh, it's open now, Havlin said, trading his loot for his curved blade. Let's just try the direct approach, shall we? Jenner said, leading the way out of the room. They moved back out to the main entrance. He came around the corner into the main room and leveled his rapier at the two men at the bar before they realized what happened. The man behind the bar made a break for it, but he found a large Lenise man waiting for him. He thought to jump the bar, but Umbrunsway laid an arm on the man's wrist and shook his head. Just then, someone walked through the swinging doors to the kitchen, and Havlin whipped his blade around and held it to their neck. It was the barmaid. She had a plate of food in each hand. When she pushed against the blade and realized what was going on, she fainted, dropping the plates and collapsing to the ground. Mal walked over to the two of them, giving Havlin a stern look. What? he asked. She responded by smacking him across the back of the head, then attended to the girl. Um, if I could draw your attention to me, I really have no quarrel with any of you. I'm just here to speak to the lady of the inn. Is she available? Jenner said. The two men at the bar just shook their heads. The man behind the bar said nothing. Um, Brunsway, please break the man's wrists. Both of them, Jenner said, sounding bored. Um, Brunsway looked up at the man in front of him and grinned. Wait, wait, she's, she's here, wait, the bartender sputtered. 
And uh, you'll be more than happy to take us to her, correct? Sure, he whimpered. Umbrunsley marched him out from behind the bar, holding on to his wrist. Those two are just going to run if we leave, but I don't think we should take them with us either, Havlund said, pointing to the two at the bar. You make a good point, Jenner said. He raised his fist and slammed the pommel of his rapier down on the back of one of the man's head. He collapsed, going unconscious. The other man made to move, but Jenner had his blade back on him in the blink of an eye. Whether or not you live through this is entirely up to you, Jenner said to the man. The man looked from the blade to the door to his friend on the ground, then closed his eyes and lowered his head. Jenner wrapped the man's head with the pommel and sent him to the floor as well. Havlin and Mal bound the two men up, and Havlin dragged them both behind the bar. What should we do about the front door? Havlin asked. Well, do you want to stick around and keep an eye on it? Jenner offered. Who's going to come in here that would remotely believe that I work behind this bar? Havlin said, gesturing at his attire. True enough. Lock it up. Come with us. Don't want to give the proprietor any more time than we already have, Jenner said, motioning him to follow along. Can't imagine the door being locked is too odd an occurrence for their frequent customers. Havlin bolted the main door, then propped a chair in front of it for good measure. Umbrunsway prodded the bartender forward, letting him lead the way. They walked down a back hallway, through a door into what looked like an office. The bartender pulled open the lower, lowest drawer on a desk, then pulled a cord inside the drawer. A back panel of the wall slid up. It's the door straight back, the man sputtered. Oh, uh, don't worry, you'll be the one opening it for us, Jenner reassured the man. Umbrunsway reached up and knocked the man on the back of the head with his fist, knocking him out. We can't leave him. Anything, might, anything could be behind that door, Jenner said. Umbrunsway ignored Jenner, picking the man up and tossing him over his shoulder, then proceeded to walk down the hall. Jenner and Mal turned to look at Havlin, who put his hands up and shrugged. Not letting him get too far ahead, they followed after the monk. They passed several doors on the way down the hall, but Umbrunsway headed straight for the one in the back. When he was several feet from it, he took the man off his shoulder and grabbed him by the shirt collar and the back of his pants. I thought he practiced peace, Jenner asked Havlin. Eh, he's got a special spot in his heart for slavers, Havlin said, as Umbrunsway gave a few practice swings, then threw the man into the door. It shattered, wood chips flying everywhere. The man tumbled, hitting the ground, and collided with the back wall. He knocked over a tall metal post that was that some unfamiliar-looking bird had been resting on. It squawked and flapped its green-yellow wings, taking flight over to the shoulder of a woman sitting behind a desk. She was looking through the open door with a calm, reserved expression. She was dressed in a robe with several large flower blossoms adorning it, on a background of rain-drenched fields. Her hair was blonde, done up in a bun that was held in place atop her head with small metal sticks. Her face was white from paint, as were her hands, which ended in manicured fingernails with a various script on each nail. 
She held a quill in one hand and an ornate-looking inkstone in the other. She looked at the man on the floor, who groaned, but did not awake. "'You are fired when you wake up, John,' she said in a clear, melodic voice, with only the slightest hint of an Oran accent. "'This is not the manner in which I typically do business, gentlemen,' she said, addressing the four people standing in her office. Behind them, they heard the sounds of doors opening and people sticking their heads out to look in the direction of the noise. The lady waved them aside, and they returned to whatever they had been doing previously. "'You're not the Watch, and you're not from another guild. "'Why have you come to me in such an uncouth manner?' she asked. "'Well, your men downstairs invited us back and then uncouthly tried to take us hostage,' Jenner said. "'Oh, you're him. I didn't notice at first, but the description fits. "'Come to Bothwell to save the children, have you?' You must be new. Let me educate you about how things work here in not just the hive, but in Bothwell. Umbrunsway furrowed his eyebrows, scowling at the woman. Havlin placed a hand on his shoulder. An education will not be required, Jenner said. What we want to know is simple. Do you trade children and infants? I sell many things, she replied. Just answer the question, lady. Havlin said, sounding annoyed. No, she said. No, Havlin said. No, what are you going to do? Kill me if I refuse? She purred. Havlin looked at Jenner. Jenner had been wondering this himself. He knew at some point they would run into someone who was not going to be scared by them. Torturing her was out of the question. It just did not sit well with them. They could kidnap her, but where would they take her? Oshing, Mal asked, turning everyone's attention to her. Umbrunsway sniffed the air, then crinkled his nose. The lady did the same. What did you do? she asked, sounding a little worried. Smoke, Havlin and Jenner said together, looking at one another. I'll go check it out, Havlin said, turning and running back the way they came. He ducked out the passageway in the office and came back seconds later. Um, the bar's on fire, and uh, not like a little fire, but like someone torched the entire thing. The front doors are open, the guys we tied up are gone, Havlin explained. Oh, and I, I thought I heard people yelling for the watch. You're crazy, you're going to burn down everything, the woman said, getting up, causing the bird to hop around on her shoulder. What are you talking about? Jenner asked. You burned down the shop in the jail, and you're burning down my shop. Your fire killed three people in the jail. How many do you think you'll kill here? Havlin and Brunsway and Mal looked at Jenner. Hey, I don't know what she's talking about. The building was standing perfectly fine on its own when I left it. I, uh, 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 it's else, Mal said, edging toward the door. You got another way out of here, lady? Havlin asked. She nodded. Umbrunsway stepped forward and stuck his hand out toward the lady. What? she asked. He wants you to give him your hand, Havlin said. Brute, she said, spitting in his direction. Umbrunsway wiped the spit from his face and restuck his hand out. 
Um, I mean, unless you're interested in burning to death, I suggest you give him your hand, Jenner said. She sighed, offering him her hand, as one might extend their hand into something they did not quite agree with. Out in the halls, people were starting to leave the rooms they passed earlier. Some were carrying small children, while others were leading them by the hand. Jenner and the rest followed behind, exiting into the hallway as a group. They came out through a back doorway that went down a flight of steps into a lower section of the hive, where a swarm of watchmen were waiting. Havlin looked around, then leaned over and whispered something in Dumbrunsway's ear. The man looked at the watch, then around, then to Havlin and nodded. He moved his hand that was holding the lady's wrist and motioned to Jenner to take it. What's going on? Jenner asked, taking the woman's hand from Umbrunsway. Sorry, but uh, it's not our time to get caught by the watch. Best of luck, Havlin said as he and Umbrunsway backed into the building. Umbrunsway motioned for Mal to follow, but she smiled and shook her head. Havlin and Umbrunsway nodded, then turned and fled back into the burning building. Jenner turned back to the crowd gathering before him, seeing a watchman take people into custody as they walked down the steps. He looked to Mal, who just smiled and motioned for him to follow her, as the three of them walked down into the waiting arms of the watch. Hello, and thank you for listening to the World of Grey podcast. For any questions about the podcast, or the books in general, email me at podcast at josephporthos.com. My two books, Fallen Throne and Dark Halo, are available for download on the Amazon Kindle store for the low price of $3 apiece. I don't output a ton of updates, but when I do release one, you can find it on Facebook at Joseph Porthos, or on my website located at josephporthos.com. I hope you enjoyed today's chapter, and I look forward to you tuning in again next time. This is Joseph Porthos, signing off.